Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Lewis and guest host Nick are speaking with Sebastian St. Louis, CEO and co-founder of Hexo, one of Canada's largest licensed producers of cannabis and a leader in the race to capture the estimated $250 billion global market. Recently, the company joined other major marijuana producers like Aurora and Canopy on the New York Stock Exchange and inked a deal with Molson Coors Canada to produce cannabis-infused beverages set to hit Canadian shelves this December. Sebastian unpacks a ton of great information on Hexo and the current regulatory climate in Canada, so this is a must-listen interview for anyone following the Canadian marketplace. Now on to our interview with Lewis, Nick, and Sebastian. Hey, Nick. Welcome back to the show. I'm back. I'm hosting. This time I'm filling in for Ann instead of you. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, you are like our, our you are like the super Joe McEwing of of um, of the of the podcast here. Is this a Mets like old timey baseball reference? Well, he played for other teams, but he was a <laughs> utility player. And, you know, we're recording this on August 6th, which means that the Mets are one game above 500 as of the recording of this this podcast. And. We've never talked baseball before, but both Nick and I are huge baseball fans. We are, yeah. I don't think we've been to a game. Well, we went to the the Yankee game together when we did the the whole KCSA uh, office trip. Oh, you weren't there for that? All right, no, so no. Gotta... I don't. You know, I am the great not appearing, and <laughs> sir, not appearing in this KCSA event would be me. <laughs> All right, we'll get tickets to a Mets game then, if if they can stay over five hundred once they play a team that has a record over five hundred, like Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> We're hovering. Um, We're hovering. Yes. So. We are going to be trying something a little bit different today. You know, we've been we've done about 90, almost 95 episodes of the Green Rush so far, and all of them have been just kind of a straight flow conversation. But as we get more professional and we get better at this, um, we're going to try and do something a little different today. <laughs> we're going to try and do something a little different today and break this conversation up into blocks or segments. Um, and, and we're going to be speaking today with um, Sebastian St. Louis from uh, Hexo. Um, yeah, and just to build off that, we're always trying to make sure that we're giving you, our loyal listeners, something really of value about getting this conversation, knowing that, like, who our audience is. It's investors. It's folks that are already interested in the cannabis industry. So a name like Sebastian St. Louis or Hexo should be something that's already familiar with you. So we don't need to necessarily go over all those early details or learn Sebastian's story. I think we've all I mean, probably... we will learn Sebastian's story. <laughs> but we've read, like, his his early stuff in there. So let, we really want to make sure we're, we're bringing something to value to you guys and getting his real deep insights on, on what's everything's going on with the industry. Like, they've been making some news with New York Stock Exchange listing. Uh, Partnership with Molson Coors, movement into Europe. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And not only that, you know, given the role that Hexo plays both in Quebec and then broadly across the, the country of Canada. Um, the goal here is for Sebastian in this interview and for all of our, our um, guests going forward to do more thought leadership, which is a phrase I absolutely hate, but really giving them the platform to, to talk more expansively about the industry itself and not just be completely self-reflective. Yeah, there's so much more space to grow within the cannabis industry. We know where it's at. We've seen how it's gotten to this point. So where is it going to get Where is it going to get bigger? Where are we going to see the, the, the new trends? What are consumers going to be looking for? What are investors looking for? What's going to be the future? So with that, we're going to get on to our conversation with Sebastian St. Louis from Hexo. Um, but for you, our loyal listeners, send us some feedback. We'd love to know what you think about what we're doing, where the podcast is going, the types of guests that we should be bringing on. Um, please also take a moment and subscribe. The more subscribers we have, the more reach we have, and clearly the better guests we'll get. So with that, Onto our conversation with Sebastian St. Louis, CEO and co-founder of Hexo. 
Okay, so we are talking with Sebastian St. Louis, CEO and co-founder of Hexo. Sebastian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's uh, truly our pleasure. Um, Canada has been leading the way globally in the legal cannabis space for years. Uh, you guys were the first to develop a national uh, set of regulations for adult use um, for cannabis. You guys have been leading the way globally from a capital market structure. And now you guys are going through the, the first throes of a kind of a shakeup or, or shake out in the industry. Can you tell us what's going on in the Great White North? I think it's really exciting. Uh, the groundwork that the Canadian government has laid uh, that has allowed companies like Hexo to take center stage um, on a world scale. We are uh, currently expanding globally. We've recently obtained licenses in Greece. We're talking about moving into the U.S. very soon, uh, which is uh, tremendously exciting from a market potential point of view. And the quality of partners that we're attracting and bringing to the table keeps increasing. We've now seen large beverage companies uh, partner with cannabis companies. So in our case, Molson Coors uh, partnering with Hexo on beverages. And we're, uh, we're seeing deals uh, coming in from the tobacco space, the pharma space. Uh, very exciting time to be in the industry. But and it's all true. And, and I promise you, as we get into this, we're going to talk a lot about what you guys are doing. But but generally, Canada has, you know, you guys were the first country, um, you know, G8 country to to legalize cannabis. And, you know, you look at what happened initially with the TSX and the CSE and the NEO exchanges. You know, you guys have been on the cutting edge. And and recently, you know, we saw Bruce Linton out at at Canopy. Um, and you said yourself, you believe that about 80% of smaller producers in Canada are going to go bankrupt in the next couple of years. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but just like Internet 1.0, you know, there was a lot of froth in that industry and there's been a lot of froth in uh, in cannabis. Um, and, you know, Canada's out in front on this frothiness, positive where is where are we going? Like what's happening in Canada and how is this going to then end up playing out in the U.S., do you think? Well, I think specifically talking Canada, uh, we have a, a brand new rollout of uh, regulations 2.0, which includes edibles, drinks, vapes. Um, that is coming out this uh, for this Christmas. Uh, so we're very excited to see what's going to happen there. Uh, I think you're also seeing uh, so the, San Santa's going to be really high when he's delivering this year, huh? Well, whether it's high or healthier, uh, because we do more than just get people high. But yes, yes. Uh, there will be a, a, a panoply of products available for Santa. That's right. Let's go back to that question about the 80 percent of producers. Because, you know, in, in your last earnings call, you said and, and really when I read it, I was like, wow, that's a hell of a statement that 80 percent of the smaller guys are going to go bankrupt. What is this impact going to have on the supply chain for you guys generally? for Aurora's, for the, the, the Tilray's, for the other big producers up there? Well, I think there's a, there's a streamlining of the supply chain, and now the, the rubber's hitting the road in terms of the producers that can operate at large scale while maintaining and improving quality and lowering costs are the only ones that will survive. Um, and so Hexel is ideally positioned there. So it's, it's actually quite exciting from, from my vantage point because I see the opportunity for more market share. I see the opportunity to, to bring our products, uh, of course, not, uh, not just across Canada, but uh, internationally as well. Um, but it, it will be very difficult uh, for a lot of these small producers. When I look at the balance sheets of a lot of the small producers that are a fraction of what's required to even come up to the lower mid-tier, and you're still very far from, say, the capitalization that a HEXA would have. Uh, when I look at the know-how and the intellectual property investments that HEXA was making today to ensure that our products will be better and protected by intellectual property for years to come, those are simply not available to the smaller producers. And unfortunately, so far, out of that list of 150 licensed producers in Canada, I haven't seen uh, many. In fact, I've only seen two, including Hexo, that have really been able to consistently produce under a dollar a gram. Uh, and so uh, cost is very important, of course, as we're, we're adding people to the supply chain, as we're continuing to improve quality. Uh, and so that's why I think that a lot of the smaller guys are going to have a rough go uh, over the next 24 months. 
So I want to jump in here and, and talk about the current regulatory environment in Canada. I think one of the th- marquee stories that everybody's been following this last month has been really the downfall of CanTrust and the, the litany of issues that they're facing. So can you talk about, like, since all the, the CanTrust news broke, what's the regulatory environment in Canada been like and how are, are LPs like Hexo, like, changing up, if at all, their operations? And then what's it like working with Health Canada? Are they um, actively talking to you guys every day? Are you, are you reaching out to them uh, to talk about things? What, what's that relationship like? No, I think the regulatory landscape has remained very consistent. And if anything, it's, uh, it's always uh, best when uh, the, the regulators and industry are working hand in hand and where you don't necessarily have surprises. Um, Hexel has been working closely with Health Canada for over six years now. Uh, and we've been uh, pretty uh, stellar at our governance and at our uh, regulatory processes. And we've continuously improved them over time. Uh, it's business as usual for us today and uh, continuing to interact with Health Canada. So there hasn't, has not been an increase in scrutiny. But we are making sure that we're keeping them abreast of everything we're doing because these businesses are getting more and more complex every day. Uh, and of course, it's a lot of work for the regulator. Yeah, and and it's not just Health Canada when it comes to the regulations. Y'all also have to deal with the the province to province differences. Like it, it it's different to operate in Ontario versus Quebec versus British Columbia. How do you re- navigate that additional regulatory environment? We we built a stellar regulatory and legal team at Hexo, uh, world class people uh, from all sorts of different industries, be it food or pharma, uh, and we've uh, what we do is we interact with every government that comes in to touch our business and that is a wide array of governments as you mentioned so not just provincial and federal but then all the different uh, federal agencies especially as we're thinking of moving to the u.s when you start to talk about uh, dea fda when you start to talk about uh, just the all, all the various uh, wellness uh, agencies when you start to start to talk about international law and also municipal law uh, specifically where we operate here in Gatineau. So we were just holding a community event recently to answer all the questions in the community, because it's also it's more than just complying with the law. It's the actual perception and understanding of the people in the communities in which we operate. And uh, Hexo has made quite a commitment on being uh, adhering to regulations, but also on our corporate social responsibility charter. Ooh, can you talk about corporate social responsibility for a second? You know, there are very few companies in the cannabis space who have CSR built into their DNA. Um, and you literally, we've done 90 plus shows, are the first CEO to raise the concept of CSR unprompted. So talk a little bit about what your CSR programs are. Well, I, I think CSR is absolutely critical to the growth of this company, but to our industry as well. Uh, cannabis is under a special kind of scrutiny. Any error in cannabis will be uh, will be a, a broader impact than, say, in food today. Uh, we're, we're, it's very important that we get it right. Um, for me personally, CSR is critical because I think we only have one planet to take care of. Uh, it's critical that we deliver uh, a great product, but also that we take care of our planet. It's critical that we take care of our people, and that's the people that work at the company, but also in the communities. Um, and so we're putting in place, I think it's interesting that you mentioned built into the DNA. I think we are building into our DNA. There's a lot of things that Hexo is doing today that I think could be approved upon. We still have way too much plastic in our packaging. We want to move to green recyclable across the board. Uh, we're making uh, some uh, some bounds and strides right now on our, uh, our climate change impact. And uh, so you'll see some specific programs being rolled out over the coming months that we believe are going to be transformational and that are going to make a real difference. And I think that's the CSR is so important because for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it's the right thing to do. Two, people care, so our consumers care, our customers care, and that's, that's probably the most important reason. But then thirdly, our partners, these world-class companies like Molson Coors that are partnering with Hexo, the other Fortune 500 companies that we're currently soliciting to partner with us, they care. And so I think that CSR is really a way to go for a win-win-win. And uh, we're, we're happy to be, uh, well, one of the few, I'm a little disappointed I'm the only one talking about it, but uh, happy to at least start the conversation. You're not the only one talking about it. And we talk to literally all of our clients uh, about this. And, 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 you know, I mean, you're right. Your, your customers care. And if you look specifically, millennials make purchasing decisions 
very often based on the CSR programs or the companies that they, they're buying from. It's why Warby Parker has been so successful. It's why Tom Shoes has been so successful. And and to date, there has not been a cannabis company who has said, CSR, our intent is to repair the world. You know, there's a, there's a phrase in Hebrew called takun olam, which literally means to repair the world. And there's actually a a cannabis company, a U.S. cannabis company and an Israeli one called Tatkun Olam. But what you're talking about is spot on and, and building that into your company is it's completely laudable. I, I mentioned Bruce Linton earlier, um, and, and now that he is no longer with Canopy Growth, there is a vacuum potentially in the industry for somebody to step forward and be the face of corporate cannabis. And, you know, Bruce had a very unique look, which was the black T-shirt and the blazer. And, you know, he 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 refined that over time. Who do you think other than yourself and we'll we will prop you up ourselves. But other than you, is there somebody else that you see either in Canada or the U.S. who could stand up and play the role that Bruce played? Well, I think uh, only Bruce could be Bruce himself. He had a very <laughs> unique take, was a great visionary. Uh, brought this industry uh, along a, a long way uh, over the last uh, six, seven years, uh, and uh, and we we thank him for it. Um, I think it's going to be very important as we look for the as as consumers, as investors, look for the next face of the industry, really to focus on the the evolution of cannabis. So we talk about CSR, we talk about good corporate governance, we talk about adherence to regulation. We talk about metrics like profitability, like growth, like market share. We're starting to put numbers to the uh, to the promises. I think all these things and uh, uh, a deep understanding of the consumer, I think all these things will be very important and it will take more and more prominence in people's minds. Uh, so uh, for, for sure, I'm looking forward just as much as uh, you are to uh, finding out who people turn to uh, for the next leg of the journey. Sebastian, can you talk a little bit about October 17th and what that's going to mean to the industry. You made mention to the new regulations of, of vapes and edibles, drinks and the like. Functionally, when do you think consumers in Quebec, in Montreal, in Toronto are going to start to see these products on the shelves? And also talk about the packaging because the rules around packaging and and branding are so fundamentally different in Canada than they are in the United States. So from a, a regulatory perspective, October 17th is the date of the online and the regulations, but for the consumers, it, there's really not going to be an impact until December 17th. That's really the date where they should be able to see products on shelves. Now that that is assuming that there's not any further delays uh, in, in our, in our rollout uh, from a, a, a regulatory perspective. Um, I don't expect there to be any material delays, but whether it's a December or January launch, uh, I think that's what, that's kind of the date we should focus on. From Hexel's perspective, uh, we are ready and we had been ready to do national rollouts as early as October 17th. So whether it's December or January for us, uh, it's we're, we're ready, which is fantastic. Um, and what that means is in all the different products that we're going to be going to market with. So we're really excited about our upcoming vape line. So we've got a phenomenal vape, vape experience. Um, I've, uh, I've had the, the occasion to uh, try the formulation when I was actually down in the States because we're not allowed to try it up here in Canada, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we are allowed to move our intellectual property down to the U.S. and formulate there. Uh, these vapes were absolutely phenomenal. So no coughing, a beautiful taste to them, and a, and a really splendid effect. So those are coming on in December. Our drink line that's being built by our joint venture with Molson Coors, so by Trust, is a far and above the best drinks that I've ever seen or tasted in cannabis. Uh, so you won't be able to tell that there's cannabis uh, in the product itself. So it's completely tasteless. We believe our onset time right now, thanks to the emulsion technology we put in play, we believe is the fastest in the industry. So we're currently uh, testing between five and seven minutes of onset time, which is fantastic. Wow. Um, and wow. the, uh, the, the team has done a phenomenal, a phenomenal job in, in the taste. And w when are consumers going to be able to, to try those drinks uh, that you guys are working with Molson Coors on? So we're going to have a national launch, regulations permitting December 17th is the is the game plan. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, early fall where we'll invite the CEO of Trust, Brett Vi, to do a presentation on all the exciting drinks that we'll be bringing to market. 
just to remind everybody, we're talking with Sebastian St. Louis, CEO and co-founder of Hexo. Um, in terms of products, are you going to be developing anything that is uniquely Canadian? Uh, and I'm going to make a really silly statement, but like, are we going to see THC infused maple syrup? You know, is, is there anything that you guys and, and, you know, I'm not going to ask you to violate any intellectual property or roll out anything that you don't want to. But, you know, Canada is a different country than the United States. As much as we like to think of you guys as the 51st state, you're not. You are your, you know. So are, have you thought about things that are uniquely Canadian that will appeal to a Canadian audience that, you know, Americans might say, oh, that's that's different. Yeah, I, I absolutely think Canada is very different, and especially from from the the landscape that's been built up. So the Canadian companies historically have had access to a lot more capital than our U.S. counterparts. Um, as such, we've also been focused on different things. U.S. companies today are mostly focused on a retailer first strategy, right? Own the store, open up the retail, put your products in that store. Mostly, in Canada, because the retail is controlled again, mostly by the provinces, so our version of states, um, what's happening is the companies are free to pursue strategies that are focused on the technology of cannabis. And that's what EXO is doing. So when you ask me about maple syrup infused uh, with THC, although I think it might be a, a clever product, um, that's not what's gathering the mass of our attention. What's really got my attention is how do we make the experience better for the consumer in products they already know and love? How do we go mainstream with cannabis in a way that's invisible to the consumer and that just creates a better experience? And let me give you an example of that. Um, pick up your favorite sparkling water, your favorite dealkalized beer, uh, maybe your favorite uh, better-for-you juice, so juice with low calories, that type of thing. Can we infuse in that a powered-by-hexo experience that will guarantee a specific window of fun, say an hour and a half? Can we make that work in under five minutes, and can we guarantee the same experience every time? I think that that technology will really drive the product innovation because today we simply don't see that level of quality in products in the USA when it comes to advanced products. All right, let's let's pivot a little bit and get more into you guys specifically because I know we've been talking a lot about Canada, um, but this is an opportunity for for you to go more into to Hexo specifically. So, what is Hexo? So Hexo is really uh, a cannabis technology company. Um, so we were born out of the regulations about seven years ago here in Canada as a medical cannabis company. So we grew medical cannabis, and we distributed directly to patients. Along the way, Canada evolved and developed regs for adult use and then allowed additional products. And then we doubled down on our R&D department. We doubled down on innovation, design, and engineering. Uh, we, we now have a roster of over 30 PhDs and chemists working day and night on finding the next version of the technology that'll bring cannabis to people. So that's emulsion technology, that's nanoscale technology, that's absorption technologies, and that's also all the technologies around all the cannabinoids. We talk often about THC, we talk often about CBD, but we have to remember that this plant has over 180 active compounds. And we're finding out some amazing stuff around CBGA, around THCV, around CBC. And we're currently looking at what can we do with all these different cannabinoids and how can we formulate experiences that help people simply live a better life, whether that's from a, an aspect of having more fun, which is what we all know is getting high. Um, or is it to improve your sexual health? Is it to improve your appetite? Is it to control your appetite? See, we're doing, we're, we're even doing some really uh, innovative research on dieting with cannabis. And we expect that over the following years, uh, someone will be able to go buy a sparkling water powered by Hexo diet that will be able to take away your appetite for a number of hours. So these are the kind of things that excite me in terms of new product development. Yeah. That that sounds amazing, and, and I know you keep harping on on the healthier stuff. But if you can make a THC infused poutine, I would be all over that. <laughs> um, I I want to continue on in talking about uh, some of the more recent news that you guys have uh you have made. Last month, you you joined other major LPs like Aurora and Canopy on the uh, New York Stock Exchange. Can you discuss the the excitement about moving on to that major exchange and what that means for for the future of Hexo, and then why? the NYSE versus the NASDAQ? Well, the, the very first part of, of getting an American exchange 
is that uh, Hexo is growing beyond being just a Canadian company. And so just like any other multinational company, the most exciting market in the world is the U.S. And so we have to play in the U.S. In fact, we plan on being there with our products in uh, eight states in 2020. So we can talk more about that if you like. Yeah, uh, that but part of that too was... Yeah, so part of that was accessing the U.S. market and and getting in front of investors. And for that, what better exchange than the New York Stock Exchange? And I I think it was really what was exciting about it was it's a real feather in our cap because to lift on New York, we had to meet a brand, a whole new level of regulatory compliance. So when you start to talk, I mean, there's a lot of technical stuff in firing Sarbanes-Oxley and that type of thing. But uh, the point being is that as a cannabis company, to be able to meet that level of regulatory compliance and then exceed it um, and to get that listing, to increase our liquidity, to increase our profile in front of investors as a prelude to getting our products there is very exciting. Um, you uh, you asked about NICE and NASDAQ and the, the, the folks at the NICE have just done a phenomenal job. We have a great relationship with them. They took the time to, to really understand our business. And so it was a really nice fit, uh, although obviously a NASDAQ phenomenal exchange. Well, how does Hexo plan to enter the U.S. market? I know you talked about bringing vapes in over uh, over the border. Is that all CBD? Is that is that going to be the approach, um, or or is, do you have like a specific timeline and, and strategy in place? No, so specifically, and let me let me clarify that point. So what I talked about was moving technology across the border. So that's all technology okay. that moves over on paper. Um, and so what we did is we moved the technology on paper over the border to be able to actually test in legal states uh, to test the products in vivo, so in humans, because we're not, we're not able to do that in Canada. There's no product whatsoever crossing the border today uh, coming from Hexo, so Canada, U.S. Our U.S. entry strategy is really going to parallel that. It's going to be about how do we take the technology we've developed in Canada? How do we move that technology down into the U.S.? And then how we, do we set up specific supply chain in specific legal states with the consent of DEA, FDA, to then participate in in that market. And that'll probably start with non-THC-based experiences, so CBD from hemp, um, and it will probably start with uh, a couple extraction locations uh, in the U.S. uh, controlled by Hexel. This has been a challenging couple of months to be a public company in cannabis. You know, the there was a huge run up i mean it, it's it, last year you know we saw some seasonality in play but the last 2 months have been tough um why do you think the entire sector is has been punished so vigorously by the investor community well i, I think this is an incredibly volatile sector right as a as a very first point and i think in any volatile sector investors that have a long view will get rewarded and so and when i look at our story and when i look at why investors have to pay attention to cannabis and uh, I, I hope they pay attention to hexo but at the very least they have to pay attention to cannabis um, the reason why is that i can't tell you with certainty who the top three companies will be in five to 10 years. I can tell you Hexo has a really meaningful shot at becoming one of those top three global companies. And when I look at those top three companies and I say, okay, what will those companies look like? It's not hard to imagine those companies being worth 50 to $100 billion. And so the reason you need to pay attention is because we already know who the likely winners are. The companies that are going to make it to the top three list, uh, there's not more than 10. Hexo is on that list of potentials. And so I think for investors that have the stomach for the volatility in the short term and that stick with these stories and that happen to pick the winners uh, will be incredibly rewarded. We'll be looking back on this space five years from now. And we'll be saying, well, I, I could have picked up Hexo stock under a $2 billion valuation. And that's, that's going to be people will be laughing and saying, how did I not buy more of that stock? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they will generate just these incredible returns. So um, definitely short run. It, it takes a strong stomach. Uh, but we have cannabis for that uh, anti-nausea as well. Ah, that's <laughs> awesome. That was a funny joke. And, you know, it's, it's, we joke about this, the podcast being um, the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture, and then a lot of dad jokes because I'm a dad. Welcome to the podcast. You just made a dad joke. Well, I, I, so my, my daughter and son would be proud of me, I'm sure. Or embarrassed, <laughs> one or the other. Oh, I'm going to go with proud. My kids are embarrassed by me, but most other kids, they're, they're proud of their dads. Um, 
let's talk about the Molson Coors deal. You know, if, if you think about the, some of the biggest deals that have taken place in cannabis over the, the last couple of years, it was the initial investment by Constellation and Canopy. Then they're, I wouldn't call it doubling down, it's tenfold down. And then, you know, you guys with, with Molson Coors. What is the relationship of the relationship? And what is the relationship of the relationship? What is the what is the the basic underlying thesis of this relationship? Because you know there is this understanding that Constellation has a significant influence within Canopy. How are you guys working with Molson Coors? Um, we're we're very very proud of our deal with Molson Coors. We think it's the first of five, uh, so we we certainly uh, have intentions to make it work very well. Um, so let me talk a little bit about that deal and then how, how it is the first of five. So I talked about Hexo being a cannabis technology company. So we really took a hard look at what are we good at? What are we really good at? Like, what are we better at than everybody else? And two things came up, right? It was really the regulations behind cannabis. So how do we go and obtain new licenses? How do we maintain those licenses? And how do we obtain permissions under those licenses? How do we do that internationally? How do we do that legally at all levels of government in complex jurisdictions like the United States? So that was one thing. We're very, very good at figuring that out. Um, the second part was cannabis technology. How, how can we develop the absolute fastest acting product, the most controlled offset, uh, the highest quality uh, safe product? Right? And we're very good at developing those formulations. So that we're really good at. We started to ask ourselves, as we grow this business, as we go into other markets, what will be the top drivers to enter and win and win those new markets? And we started to talk about the brand, but what do we really mean about brands? Uh, we mean consumer understanding, right? We mean segmentation of that market to really understand who you're talking to, what kind of packaging are you putting in, um, et cetera. Uh, and then, but then we also focus a lot on distribution. So time and time again, uh, in, in history of all sorts of different products. We've seen distribution win over brand, win over technology, right? Um, you, you've seen this with, uh, with DVD and Laserdisc. You've seen it in uh, word processors like uh, Microsoft Word and Corel Word Perfect. Distribution often wins the brand war. And so then we asked ourselves the question, well, okay, well, who has the best distribution in the world for some of these products we want to build? And then in the case of beverage, one of those uh, best distributors in the world was Molson Coors, with one of the largest footprints worldwide. Um, they also had this amazingly deep and complex understanding of the consumer when it comes to beverage, what their preferences are, how to segment them. And then we solved for them the problem of cannabis technology and cannabis regulation. How do you participate in a market legally? And so the, the partnership really arised because of that. And on top of that, that was all layered under a shared values, a commitment to CSR uh, and corporate social responsibility. Um, so that, that's really where the genesis of the, the business went. So our deal with Molson, essentially, they're figuring out how to sell the product, where to sell the product, what the product is going to look like, um, what the product is going to taste like from a beverage perspective, because you can imagine we're going to do some beers, we're going to do some juices, we're going to do some clear waters. Um, and then Hex was really figuring out what is that product going to do? How is it going to work in the body? And what jurisdictions is it going to be in? And how is that supply chain going to stay legal? I love all that. I, I, it sounds like it's a really good synergistic relationship where you guys are going to do a lot of cool things. And I'm excited about all, all the future there. But the, the benefit that you guys have is that you operate in Canada, so that gives you the avenue to, to be able to work with the Molson Coors. And Canada being the first real country to, to, to put everything together at a legal recreational level is great, but when other countries like Colombia and the U.S. finally gets their whole federal situation figured out, what's the long-term future look like in the Canadian market? Like, once you have to compete more against U.S. companies that, that can export or or uh, countries like Colombia that can uh, cultivate at a, at a higher... At a fraction. Yeah. A tiny fraction of the cost to cultivate in Canada. H how is Canada going to continue to maintain this position of, of global leadership, right? I mean, you're, you're looking in Colombia at 10 cents a gram, right? E even less for, for, for them to, to produce. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. And, and that's why Hexo is investing so much in technology. Uh, the answer to your question of how are we going to compete with the American brands, 
how are the American brands going to compete with us when we come in is how I like to think about it. Uh, because we're going to come into markets. So we're going to be in eight states in the U.S. legally in 2020. Can you say which states, by the way? I'm, I'm not sharing that at this okay. point. Uh, we, we, know, we know which ones they are, but we're, we're, we're not sharing that just yet. Okay. Um, so, uh, but it's going to be very exciting. Um, and then imagine the difference. So because I'm going in there legally, okay, I can use traditional distribution, right? I can list in a, in a, in a traditional retailer. And I'm not, I'm not specifically saying I have or I don't have a relationship with, with specific retailers, but you can imagine the, the Walgreens, the CBSs, the Walmarts, et cetera. Right. These are these are the types of retailers I'm talking about. Um, so because I'm operating legally, we can take our technology, move it down to the U.S. We can extract from hemp. So your 10 cents a gram. I mean, forget about 10 cents a gram. We're talking about micro cents per gram once we start cultivating from hemp. And by the way, I don't want to own the hemp fields either. I, I agree with you that, that the, the farming part of this business will eventually, uh, at least outside of Canada, move, move to other jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we move the technology down there and I use this traditional distributors and I have partners like Molson Coors, and that's one of my five partners. I mentioned I'm going to have, they're, they're the partners in beverage, but I plan on having a partner of the same caliber in cosmetics, in edibles, in health and wellness, and in vape. And so with that firepower behind us, paired with our technology that we've already proven is amongst the best, if not the best in the world, when I talk about onset times, five to seven minutes, that's faster than anything else I've seen so far. So when you start to pair those things together, you have the makings of a massive brand. And then it won't be, a, it won't be about which American company do I need to worry about coming to Canada. They're going to have to worry about competing for shelf space in their home space because Hexel and Molson will be there. Okay. Just reminding our audience, we are talking with Sebastian St. Louis, CEO and co-founder of Hexo, which is clearly one of the most fascinating companies in Canada. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to, to talk to us. Let's, let's pivot and talk about you for a little bit. How did you get into cannabis? What's your story? I'm I, I, embarrassingly, I must say it was opportunistic. I've, I've become through over these last six years, a huge proponent of cannabis. I've seen it change lives. It's changed my life. Uh, so on a, a Friday night, instead of a, a scotch, I now turn to a Hexel Lagoon or Tsunami and have a wonderful time. And I think a, in a much more responsible way than, than drinking. Um, so I've, I've really gotten to, to learn to love it. But when I came to it, it was opportunistic. So I, I'm a business guy. So originally from a, a tech background, I had a tech startup. Up, uh, roughly uh, 25 years ago, uh, that I that I missed getting off the ground because I didn't scale it appropriately. I didn't build the right team. Um, I've been a banker, uh, both in international trade and commercial lending here in Canada. So I've worked with hundreds of different manufacturing companies, and uh, I've been in uh, real estate and I've been in auto parts. So I've done a, a lot of different businesses. Um, all those different businesses, there were really three themes that came out that tied into cannabis. And one was the theme of uh, the, the barrier to entry, that moat, right? Uh, and so that really came from my tech days. And we had the, 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 the tech boom and the, the just proliferation of the internet. And I really thought that cannabis would have those same qualities. So that barrier to entry that would lead to a, a big capital market. That was the first part. The second part was uh, the, the fact that these were very strong cash businesses. How I've made my money in my life was always through cash businesses. So renting real estate, uh, which was a, a cash business, uh, the auto parts business, which was about turning inventory, right? These were these were ways to maximize cash, and cash flow turns into good businesses. And then the third was just a love of manufacturing, and cannabis has turned into a real uh, a, a sector that's uh, a true manufacturing sector where we're building all these exciting products. So it really touched on three things that I loved, and that's why I got into the business. Sebastian, you, you've presented a really ambitious look at, at Hexo and everything that uh you know brought you to this point um and it's it's a lot of excitement um but one of the things that we like to talk about here and specifically lewis likes to 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 bring up is that what what have you learned along the way from from past failures whether it be um as the ceo of hexo or from some of the 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 other business ventures that you've done in the past uh, well, I've, I've learned that you can't do things alone and you can't do things underfunded. And, and I've, I've mentioned the, the very first business uh, that I had was a tech company and it was a phenomenal little business. We had a niche, we did 3D simulation 
it, it was great demand. There was only about three people in North America that knew how to do what we did. But at the time, I didn't know how to scale it. I couldn't copy it. I couldn't rely on structure and process. So that was the, the, the first key lesson. And another lesson along the way was the access to capital. It doesn't matter how good your idea is. If you can't have the right capital to back it, you won't succeed. Uh, and that specifically was a little startup uh, in the solar panel business where we had a, a green uh, green roof uh, company. And uh, we had amazing contracts. We had, uh, we had a, a great idea. We had a great technology, but we had not capitalized it the right way. So then we, uh, we couldn't move fast enough and we lost the market. And so those are things that we fixed now with Hexo. I mean, we've raised over half a billion dollars. Uh, we have a phenomenal team, now 1,200 strong, with an absolute world-class leadership and management team um, from, uh, from who I learn every day. This industry is, as I said, you know, a lot of people think it's it's Internet 1.0 or Internet 2.0. A lot of people have been using the analogy of baseball, and Nick and I are huge baseball fans, and saying that like, we're in the second or the third inning of a, a nine-inning game. How far along do you think we are in the development of this industry right now? Are we still incredibly early days? Where are we? Yeah, I, I think inning two is a, is, a, is probably you know call it the top half of the the second inning. I think is a is a good place to to put it. Uh, I think we have tremendous runway in front of us, and I think the industry is going to keep surprising for years and years and years to come. Uh, I, I hope to have the privilege to be here to see it for the next fifteen to twenty. We'll see. So the the other part to this is. You said that there's, we're going to see this huge shakeout, right? 80% of producers in Canada are probably going to go away. Has the opportunity for somebody who wants to get into this industry passed? Or is there still room for somebody's hungry and entrepreneurial to get in? Where, and where? Where can they get in? Where would you counsel somebody to get into the industry now if they were interested? I think that's the crux of the question is where, because I think, uh, first of all, and as a lesson to fellow entrepreneurs out there, if anyone ever tells you you can't do something, first of all, don't listen to them. Go do what you want, <laughs> right? That's, that's number one. So whatever, whether I tell you to do it or not, it, it should be irrelevant. If you, if you think, uh, you know, I'm full of beans, uh, just go out and, and make it uh, happen. You can tell them to fuck off. We can curse on this podcast. <laughs> um, we, 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 we try to stick to the, 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 the adult only. It's all good. Um, so uh, the uh, essentially what I, where I would start is, first of all, in Canada and even elsewhere in the world, from a cultivation point of view, if you're just getting going, I, in my opinion, that's the wrong space to be in. That's going to be a very, very difficult slog with the caveat that if you're being very small, if you're doing all your own quality control and you're really dialed in and it's a really niche product, I think there's some room for some craft brands. Uh, that uh, I think all the craft brands may take up 2% of the total market. That's kind of what I think is going gonna, is gonna to work out in Canada. So cultivation isn't where I would go. Um, what I do think, uh, however, is anybody that would be interested in cultivation, um, that, that doesn't mean you can't participate in the industry. Uh, we have amazing companies like Hexel that are growing every day, hiring every day, and we're looking for people that have that, that, that spirit to win, that entrepreneurial spirit, people that really want to drive a difference and that have a, a specific skill set, right, that, and that are interested in learning. And so I think to uh, any entrepreneurs or uh, people that want to get into the industry, I would suggest find a company which culture speaks to you, and which values speak to you, and then bring your innovative ideas from the ground up into that company and build something special. I think there's a, there's a real opportunity. Um, of course, from outside the cultivation piece, there's a myriad of opportunities. When you start to look at the different technologies, when you start to look at the brands, when you start to look at all the services that support this industry, I think it's completely greenfield and uh, tons of opportunities for, for uh, small business owners. You just made mention of something that I found really interesting, which is the concept of corporate culture, right? You know, there are a lot of studies out there that say corporate culture is a strong indicator of whether a company is going to be successful or not. Describe the Hexo culture and how did you build it? How did you intentionally create the culture that you have within your company? Um, I, I, that, that's a really great question, and I think it's covered. It, it takes its uh, hundreds of books, and uh, I've uh, <laughs> I have a couple master's degrees in business, and I don't think I can answer that question appropriately, but I'll give it a shot. Um, so, first of all, what culture do we have here? It's it's a big family. It's a it's a it's a win as a team culture. 
So where, uh, you know, no, no, no person left behind, uh, but also a hard driving culture. Everybody here works very, very hard, um, but we are working to make a change. And I think that that really resonates with people. How we built that is we really built it on a foundational strength. So we built it on the strength of structure and process uh, versus I would say a lot of other companies will build from uh, a, a people and culture. So they'll go to try to build the culture exactly to your point. And I think that often fails. I think if you start with the right structure and the right goals in mind, and if you process orient the company early on, you, you will see the top people emerge out of that culture and you will, and, and you will really see, uh, you will really see that winning culture come out of that structure and process. So that's a, a short way to, to recap what we've done, but, uh, the, the best way to, to live it is really to, to walk around either in our labs in our greenhouses in our manufacturing center in Belleville or over here in Gatineau and just to see the smiles on people's face as they work. I'm curious, are you guys doing any active research or outreach to, to different universities to try and get, um, you know, whether it be engineers or, or technologists that are, are on the cusp of graduating to try and get them to come join the Hexo team? I feel like for the current crop of graduates, can, the cannabis industry could be a huge boon for them. So I'm just, I'm wondering what kind of outreach are, are LPs like you guys um, doing to try and bring these people in? You've, you've talked about culture. Is, is that one of the driving aspects that, that's helping you in your recruiting? I think it's always where we start. Uh, it's, a, it's a critical place to start. And I think it's the most important part for both, for both the employer and the employee. If there's not a cultural fit, it's probably not worth anybody's time. And so it's the first part to, to really flesh out. Um, uh, obviously, beyond that, you have to go through all the, the technical skills, the aptitude to learn, the, the, the work ethic. Those are all things we need to look at, too. We've uh, we've done a lot of work uh, with Loyalist College, uh, which is near our 1.5 million square foot manufacturing center in uh, Belleville, Ontario, where we're making uh, where we're making all our advanced products. Uh, we've done a ton of work with them. Uh, we've done uh, a ton of work with the University of Guelph, uh, especially on our hemp strategy and our tissue culture hemp strains. And of course, we reach out uh, to, uh, to, to to many schools in the areas, whether that's in Gatineau, in Greece, uh, and we're, we're even starting a little bit in the U.S. Um, to, uh, to, to go uh, look for top talent. Yes. What is the thing that you guys are working on that you can tell us that is like that you are most excited for, you know, whether it be a product or a category, but, you know, when you have your Willy Wonka hat on and you're looking at your next everlasting gobstopper, what is it? What is the thing that you're like so stoked for? I'm, I'm so, I'm so pumped about our beverage launch with uh, Molson Coors with our joint venture trust. I think uh, the national rollout of beverages powered by Hexo across Canada and hopefully soon in the US will absolutely surprise everybody. In trust, we've created the beverage leader. Nobody's close, as far as I can tell, to the quality of product and to the breadth of product. And I can't wait to get the consumer feedback. I, 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 lo- I love that. I, I love hearing about everything that excites people about the cannabis industry. But what keeps you up at night about it? What, what keeps you up at night about, about Hexa? What do you, is there anything that is worrying you right now? What we have to keep an eye on continuously is uh, we have to be very vigilant on our governance. Um, and, and that really means instilling it from the top down, but also bottom up. Um, it, it's very critical that we take a very hard look. Everything that touches quality and safety, there can be no compromise. Uh, in fact, even in our, we've, we've talked a little bit about culture, but we have a, a, a saying in terms of how we do things here at Hexo. And it's safety, quality, speed in that order. Uh, and those things are, are very critical to push uh, because one quality misstep can destroy a company. And it doesn't matter the size of your company. We've seen this time and time again. Um, we want to ensure our products are safe. We want to ensure our products are high quality. And that is the one thing we have to remain continuously vigilant. Now, thankfully, I have a phenomenal regulatory and quality team. And uh, we've done a, a, an amazing job over these last seven years uh, to, uh, to be able to, to stay ahead of the curve but not without challenges. And when we've had challenges, we've addressed them in a transparent way. And we've, uh, we've essentially explained to our consumers exactly here, here's what happened, here's where we were. And uh, that, that has worked well so far. We have taken a lot of your time and I want to be respectful. We, we have the last question, which we t- try and ask all of our, our guests, which we call while, you know, while you were sleeping. 
if you were to wake up tomorrow morning and you opened up the Globe and Mail or the Financial Post or the, the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, what is the one story that we are all missing about cannabis that you wish the media was doing a better job reporting on? Not about Hexo, but just more broadly, what are we all missing about cannabis that, that we should know? Uh, I think it's been an ongoing story, and I keep repeating to people, to people um, that uh, they, they have it wrong. And, 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 and of course, at the moment, it's, I, I never quite have the credibility to say that. But let me walk you through the last six years. So six years ago, we set out to build a billion-dollar business. And most people, and especially media, would turn and say, Sebastian, you're crazy. It's not cannabis isn't that big. You're not going to get there. Um, then uh, we saw the advent of adult use legalization, and we said, okay, this, this is a multi-billion dollar business. Uh, Canadian market's probably a $10 billion market. Um, I think today what most people are missing is the size of the worldwide market. I think cannabis is going to be bigger than alcohol over the next 10 years. I think this is going to be in the hundreds of billions of dollars. And what's really exciting is even if I'm wrong, which I'm not, but even if I am, <laughs> even if it's just a hundred billion, we're going to create global multinational companies out of this industry. And Hexo is ideally poised. We're right up there in the top contenders to make it. Uh, and that's very exciting. Sebastian, thank you so much for giving us all this time. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to have you back on uh, in the future, too, especially when we can try samples of some of these drinks that you've been talking about, because I'm sure they're going to be amazing. Hey, well, let's schedule something uh, in Canada on December uh, 17th, and we'll uh, we'll make sure to make that happen. We, we'll, <laughs> we'll do, do it, it in the, the new year, because December 17th, we're going to be in Vegas for the MJ Biz show. But. Your product here are going to be way better, guys. You're going in the wrong spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. All right, Sebastian. Thank you so much, and have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Our thanks to Sebastian San Luis, CEO and co-founder of Hexo. You can find them at www.hexocorp.com. And yes, I actually did the www. I mean, who the hell does that anymore? You can also find them on Twitter at Hexocorp. As always, if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter with the handle at the underscore Greenrush or on Instagram with at the Greenrush underscore podcast. I still don't understand why we can't just have one freaking handle that's propagated across all of the the social media universe um, you can drop us an email at the green rush or green rush at kcsa.com we're always looking for your feedback guest ideas hate mail uh, bad dad jokes best bad dad joke i will send them um, some green rush stickers um, and please don't forget to subscribe to the green rush in your favorite podcatcher that's one take shay one take Get